What do you say about Dame Valerie Adams? There's not much that she hasn't done in the world of athletics. A New Zealand shot putter, she's the four-time world champion, four-time world indoor champion, two-time Olympic champion, three-times Commonwealth Games champion, and twice IAAF Continental Cup winner. She has a personal best throw of 21.24 metres outdoors and 20.54 metres indoors. These marks are the Oceanian Commonwealth and New Zealand national records. So without much further ado, the Cappuccino with Dame Valerie Adams. Sweet. Okay, I'm not even going to bother with my intro, because like I normally do, you've got too many qualifications. <laughs> um, way too many. Seriously, that's why I've had to do a big intro at the beginning. So, uh, welcome to the Cappuccino. You're going to be the first guest for 2019. Oh, yo. Uh, we normally do a pop quiz hot shot round dedicated to Speed, the wonderful police movie. Uh, so, if you didn't have to sleep, what would you do, Dame Valerie? Eat. <laughs> Eat. Nice. What's your current Netflix or TV binge? Uh, House of Cards. Beautiful. What's the last book you read? Um, to be honest, fully my own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's better than the Gruffalo. Um, if I could be somebody else, I would be... The Queen of England? Oh, really? Okay. Interesting tea parties. Um, <laughs> what are you most afraid of? Uh, rodents. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Is yeah. there a story there? Or is it just... I, know, I have like a, the worst phobia. I'm like shit scared of rats mice anything like that ever right yep mental note I'm yep. not getting you a ferret yeah if, if you do that I will literally probably murder you okay so, that's yeah. it maybe not probably not yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you collect anything I used to collect um, Starbucks cups from around the world and I still do if I go to somewhere new spoke to somebody yesterday went to America who said the biggest craze is the Puppuccino which is a coffee that you buy for your dog. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, well, I was thinking Starbucks cups, because some people collect teaspoons that they don't use, uh, but Starbucks cups, people have, like, hot drinks all the time, so it's in use all the time. Have you got one from Canada? No, I've never been to Canada. Well, let me get you one when I'm there next Okay, time. yo. All right, cool, all right. Uh, what was Valerie Adams like at school? Uh, shy, uh, very timid. Um, wanted to be smaller than everybody else because I was a big girl, and... I had the only part of school that I liked was PE and playing sports. The, and obviously sports obviously interested you as a kid. Why the shot put? Because let's be honest, that isn't the first sport that springs <laughs> to most. Most Kiwi kids will go, hey, I'm going to be a cricketer, a rugby player, or a netballer. <laughs> Nobody ever, I've, I've yet to meet anybody that goes, yeah, I'm going to do a shot put. No, do you know, I, I, I actually used to play basketball at school because I was, you know, I'm, I'm six foot four, slightly taller than you. And, um, ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> Carry on. And, um, yeah, I, you know, did athletics at, at school, athletics, and, you know, I just happened to be really good at throwing events, and I broke all the records and stuff like that, and then I started training athletics. Now, one thing I kind of liked about athletics was it was an individual sport, so I worked out that I needed to, to that, that if I didn't train hard and I didn't perform well, it would be my fault, whether when you're in a team environment, it actually didn't matter because the rest of the team would just pick up your your slack so I worked out really quickly that I am a very individualized type of person that if I needed to work and if nobody worked as hard as I did I would get very very mad so athletics was I guess a way for me to, 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 to do that but the whole journey kind of was confirmed and cemented after actually my mother passed away when I was 15 it's not a very popular sport or a very popular event but that was my niche yeah yeah uh, and you obviously got bullied at school yeah quite badly I was 6'4 when I was 12 
I wasn't popular like my sister was. I wasn't pretty. I was a tomboy. I wanted to hide. I wanted to. I was taller than all the teachers at the school and the principal. Yeah. And at school assemblies were my worst ever because I'd stick out like a sore thumb. So I absolutely hated it. Yeah. 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 Which is why you're such a great advocate of pink shirt day and still continues to wear the pink. <laughs> so good on you, girl. And then you meet Kirsten Hellier at the age of about 13 or 14 years. Is that right? Yes. And go on to win the World Youth Champs in 2001. Yes. And then again in 2002. Yeah. Uh, and then a silver medal at the Commonwealth Games. Yes. In your uh, teenage mind, are you beginning to go, I'm going to nail the Olympic gold here at that stage or not? Or were you just thinking, I'm, I'm in this to see when this ride finishes? Uh, do you know, it all, uh, what made me think that I wanted to be at the Olympics one day and I'm going to win gold one day was actually the 2000 Olympic Games in Sydney. I was 15. I was watching the opening ceremony at the South Auckland Hospice on the Lazy Boy while my mum was having a, a rest she wasn't very well and 15th of September and then the that was the opening ceremony 16th of September in the morning at 9am my mother passed away in my arms at that very moment but whilst I was watching the opening ceremony I was thinking to myself wow I want to be there one day not knowing for well that the next day my whole life was going to change mm. and at that very moment two things could have happened I could have gone this way and dealt with my grief in a negative way and actually ended up somewhere else right now in life or I could have taken on the the small amounts of inspiration I got from from my mother while she was alive physically and use that as an inspiration and, and a drive to do something with my, my talent and because I was quite talented and I, and I was a big girl and I was strong so I needed to do something with it and that was the like the breaking moment for me the outlet um when at your first Olympics, two thousand and four, you finished seventh. Yes. And you recovered. We're actually fifth now. Oh yeah. I, course, I, I yeah. actually finished ninth on the day. Yeah, then God. some druggies came along. Yeah, then I was eighth, and then now I'm fifth. We'll talk about how much that pisses you off oh, later on. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, I've read, <laughs> read newspaper stories. Yeah. <laughs> but you're suffering from an appendix removal at the time. Yes. Right. Were you gutted at the time? I mean, what's going on inside your head? Are you thinking to yourself? I've blown this, this is like my first and probably my last Olympics, I'm never going to be back, or you're thinking, you know what, actually I'm coming back and I'm going to do some big things here. Do you know, I've I'd worked so hard to go to those Olympics, so hard, and six weeks out, I, no, seven weeks out, I have this raging pain in my stomach, not knowing what it was, end up in hospital having surgery to get my appendix removed. I didn't know what the whole, uh, that, that was going to be like entailing, but it was the worst moment, the timing couldn't have been worse than when it happened. And I was thinking, I still had some positive outlook whilst this was all going on. I was in bed, like, not being able to move. Like, I'm sure I can still go to the Olympics. Like, I'm sure I can still make it there. And for some reason, I was able to recover from that and then end up at my first Olympic Games and finished the way I did. And yes, our competition schedule went out the window because we, we didn't have time to do that. But I never gave up hope, I guess, in that my abilities to get to the Olympics was always there. Yeah. And it was a mental thing because I could have just given up and be like, oh, wow, well, you yeah, know, I'll yeah. try again next year. Yeah. But I still wanted to be there and fight to be there. And if it, if, if it came to it and I wasn't able to hop on the plane and go, then say la vie. But because I had that mental inkling in, in my brain that I wanted to be there, it already put me two steps ahead yeah. because mentally I was always going to try. Yeah. It's yeah. something me and my wife always talk about is the fact that New Zealanders... Uh, and no disrespect to you and your amazing accomplishments, but some New Zealanders look down on their nose at people who just go to an Olympics yeah. because they don't want a medal. Yeah. And they don't they want to be a participant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I nah, don't like that. No. Nah. 
I'm uh, no, yeah. Not I'm not a participating type yeah. of person. Yeah. Because I can compete at the next three Olympics just being a participant. Yeah. I I totally understand me camera and I and I totally am very grateful that I'm not that type of person. I don't chase the the blazer. Yeah. I yeah. chase the medal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're exactly right. So so when you throw a shot put, mm-hmm. as a, and I've spoken to guys who are great with uh, guns on targets and archery and I've spoken to people who do martial arts and everything else when you throw your shot put and it's gone has it gone or because you, you th- will throw your shot put and you'll often turn around to your coach and you can see you're trying to make minor adjustments and everything else but the second that shot put's gone it's gone for you or, or? it's gone and you know yeah like like you know instantly whether it was a good throw or not so good throw or you missed it or you didn't miss it but a great throw is a very easy throw. Yeah. So it's almost like dancing, and and, and and it's and it's dancing in the circle. It's such fine lines between a good and a bad throw. You're talking like centimeters of movements that actually make a big difference out there, which actually is half a meter to a meter out there. So it is. It, it gets quite frustrating, but once it leaves your hand, you immediately know because that's a sense of awareness, a body awareness. Yeah. Immediately know whether it's a good or a bad throw. So what's your process? For your mental reset so you throw a crap throw yeah are you just like oh that one's gone i'm just gonna get it in the next or do you reset yourself I've, i reset and i come back to basics yeah because sometimes you overthink things and and the, the whole time if you do do a bad throw in competition i call it premature ejaculation don't know if we can if you can say that on the podcast <laughs> but when you when you try too hard without having um the salmation of forces through your body from the bottom up yeah. is, is, is what you got to think about it is actually everything needs to happen at a certain time and you and, and if you become too rushed or, 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 or too quick doing something you're not going to get the same effect so you have to be very patient but fast and dynamic and strong at the same time and what's your when you go to the stadium so let's say it's day of the finals at the Olympics what's your sort of mental uh, process for getting ready because I don't know if you've heard of a guy called David Goggins, who's like an ultra marathon runner. He's insane. Go and check him out. He'll, he'll I will. Anyway, right. But he says he hates people who wear headphones for sports events and everything else. <laughs> because he said, uh, you know, he said, you'd be out running or maybe you're doing a boxing or something else. He said, or maybe even playing rugby or something. He said, somebody tackles you really hard. He said, what are you going to do? Slip off to the sideline, put your headphones on and reset? <laughs> Um, so what do you do? Because you see lots of like the All Blacks, you know, and the, lots of rugby league players, nipples, they all go with the big cans on, yeah. and they're focusing, doing whatever they do. But what's your day look like when you get the, up? Uh, the thing is that, like, with, it's, it's a lot of, it's very energy zapping. Yeah, so yeah. what do you got to do to calm yourself down and not waste too much energy? A lot of people listen to music because it yeah. calms them down, they, and, and they're in a different zone, not a competition zone. Yeah. And then there's some music that gets people pumping while they're warming up. Yeah. I have music that I put on my ears, and, and that's basically, A, to just you know chill out but b to stop people from talking to me yeah on the bus or you know and in, in the stadium like when you walk in people want to say hey how's it going all the rest of it i just want to walk to the my tree or to the where the physio is and lay down and like sh- shut down it's actually very tactical how i use it because it is basically to stop people from talking to me because if they see your headphones they'll think twice before coming to approach you and and and, and it's just the way of, of dealing with that part because it's such a long time before you start competing and because i don't know a marathon runner they gotta run for like two hours right so it's like just jogging bang yeah. bang bang we are para athletes like we're in there for less than a second in the circle yeah. and we gotta go and then we gotta come back down so we gotta get our heart rate up and then drop back drop it right down so it's a different types of yeah. mental preparation and physical preparation yeah, yeah, so yeah. if i was pounding i've got i've said okay sweet i've had a shit five minutes let's pick it up yeah, 
<laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> um, is it always the same set list that you listen to? Uh, yes or no. It depends what's going at the time. Like if there's a song that I'm jamming, it's like, yeah, this is uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. Then, then, then I switch it up. I don't do the heavy metal, like, Rah! like yeah, some yeah. people are into that. Yeah. I don't really do that, but yeah. I'm, I'm like a, a chilled reggae type of chick. Like, I'm, this is my island time oh, coming no, out. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> all right, so being an Olympian, Regardless of whether or not you like it, it elevates you to the state of being a role model. Right? Yeah. Just like any other parent. Yeah. Right. Basically, whenever I hear this argument, I'm like, if you're an adult, you're a role model. That's it, plain and simple. Right? Yes. Do you agree with the whole role model uh, sports person thing? Like, you're a sports person, so you're a role model. Uh, you very often hear people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, they're young people and, you know, they've got to live a life as well. They're not really role models. They're just good at sports. Um, do you know, it's, I, I guess it's up to the individual who looks at them as a role model to decide yeah. if they're a role model or not, yeah. because they might be inspired by their role model in different ways than, than how other people might see it. You know, I have, I have taken on the responsibility that I am a role model for people because that's just the way society works. You yeah. know, kids look up to you, what are you going to do? No, I'm not a role model yet because I haven't lived life. No, what you're going to do is embrace it. Yeah. Because if they're able to, you know, I've been through life, you know, it hasn't been the most smoothest life, but some kids might be able to relate to your life and what you've been through and actually adapt it to their own and, and, and find ways to overcome things that they might be, might, might be happening in their own lives. But for me, it's up to the individual to see whoever they want as, as their role model and not be, you have to have like 20 years of experience to yeah. be, become a role model. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a false. Yeah, 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 definitely. So have you ever been starstruck by somebody that you've met? Uh, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I was completely fangirling. Oh, totally fangirling when she came to New Zealand. But I managed to get a picture with her, so I was pretty pleased. That's the important thing. Yes. Yeah, that's all good. Right. So, I'm going to ask you the $64 million question. And in your opinion, who is the one Olympian who, not, who also holds all the Olympic values, but is also the best Olympian of all time? Ooh. Right across the field. Right across the field. Yeah. Like a Kiwi or no, anybody? Right across the field. So, you know, that... <sighs> Jesse Owens. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, big, yeah, you know, like he stands for so so much out there. Like he is just a complete legends upon legends within my sport, but within people within people and the values of, of the Olympic Games. Yeah, yeah. And, and he had balls. Yeah, yeah, he did. You know, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to say, for me, a close second would probably be that young man from Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. 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 Anyway, I'm glad you know who I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> okay, so how has becoming a mum changed your attitude to the whole role model sports thing? Right. So what are you going to do when your daughter comes up to you and goes, you know, mum, there's this cute guy who plays for Oklahoma, uh, and I think I want to be him. Um, what will you do? Will you go, maybe just take the best at, best pieces of that person or what? Do you know, a lot of people have asked me, and a lot of people have said to my daughter, who cannot talk back to them at the moment, but... Said, oh, you know, you're, you're gonna be, you're gonna break your mum's record. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that. Already putting pressure on this poor kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My thing is that, like, my husband, no sports. He is like intellectual, you know, computing, yeah. chemistry. That's his buzz. I do sports. I want to be the type of mum who supports my daughter to do what she wants to do. I've lived my dream. Yeah. I'm not this parent who's gonna live my dreams through my child. Yeah, and I please. think a lot of parents um, forget that, like, whilst they're supporting their child, they're actually. I don't know forcing is the right word but encouraging them in a way to live their dream as opposed to what the kid wants and I want to be able to look him one in the eye and if she is happy and she grows up to be a kind person and a loving person that's all I can ask of my child if nothing you, else yeah you're not wrong if you had the choice yeah 
what would you like her to do? If I, if what would I like her to do? Yeah. I would like her to do sports. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Any, you wouldn't mind? No, I wouldn't mind what sports, but but, but any sports. But I also wanted to be smart like her dad. <laughs> <laughs> Life skills from mummy, intellectual skills from daddy. Oh, no, Rodeo, Rodeo. Okay, right, now I'm going to quote you directly here. Yes. So here we go. For, so from the Guardian, from the seventh, twenty sixteen. Jeez. Yeah, see, just to prove to you I can read as well. The whole thing with doping right now is damaging to our sport. It fires me up to educate our young athletes and make them understand it's possible to be a champion without illegal substances to win because of a lie. Why do people, why do people do it? That's why thing. do people do it? Yeah, why do people do it? In some societies, it's survival. Yeah. In some societies, it's acceptable. Yeah. Um, in some countries, it's state-run yeah. and state-produced. Yeah. Therefore... They just happen to go into the system, and then and then in other parts they just want to get ahead and they and, and, and they want to cheat their way out there. Yeah. Unfortunately, it happens, and it happens within my sport a lot, in my event a lot, and I've had a lot of experience with it, with um with having with other athletes. But it's very unfortunate, and and but this is the reality of of of, of sport in Russia. That, you know, I don't know if you've seen the the documentary yeah, Icarus. Yeah, yeah. That's state run. Th- yeah. Therefore, if if you're down in the picking order. You have no choice no. but to follow because if yep. you don't follow, you get kicked out. Yep. And and unfortunately, if we cannot hold the chicken who's responsible by the neck and ring it, then it's it's, it's never going to trickle down to the bottom. So it, it happens. Now, obviously, there's like the most famous incident where you got cheated out of a medal. Yes. By somebody who was doing something that they shouldn't be done. And you mentioned it. I'm not mentioning any names because when people do that sh- stuff, I don't mention their names ever again as far as I'm concerned. Yes. You said you felt anger, you ups- upset, and everything felt tough. Mm-hmm. You were hurt, and then you were happy justice was served. Years later, after it, how do you feel? Um, I, I still feel the same way, although I guess I reflect, reflect back on the uh, response from the public actually directly after the event. Because it wasn't very nice. No. It, it, it was hard. In New Zealand, whether we like it or not, we suffer from tall poppy syndrome here. Yeah. And, and, and we get that a lot. And I think people don't, um, need to realise that we go out there and we leave our hearts, guts and soul out there. But now looking back, yes, justice is served. It's great. You know, she's no longer in the sport anymore. She's been, you know, suspended for life, whatever. But my thoughts about it now is that it's still happening. You know, and that it is getting better a little bit, but nothing has been like there's not enough been done to to go against it so our job now as i guess older athletes or more experienced athletes is to educate our young athletes to make sure that they know the consequences of doing these types of things and the effects it will have on their bodies it's not just the you're going to be banned it's actually do you really want like man boobs yeah you know as as a male and as a female do you really want a beard like do you is it is it worth it yeah because you might be a legend and and be amazing and win the olympics or whatever once you get caught you never ever get remembered for being a legend no. you get remembered as, as, as being a cheat and how many athletics people or sports people are known as being a cheat whether you're a rugby player an all black being being caught doing even um what do you call casual drugs what do you call them um yeah, you know, yeah. or anything. People remember that as a you're, you're a drug cheat, dude. Yeah, as that uh, fellow in Texas with a couple of yellow jerseys could probably tell you. <laughs> yeah. oh, um, does it does it pee off though that she's always going to be part of the Dame Valerie Adams story? Hundred percent. 
Yeah. 100%. She's yeah. in my book, but it also makes for good reading. It does, yeah. You know, because yeah. the way I describe her is that her mother must put a bowl on her hair, can't start cutting it, then send her to school with no bra on. <laughs> that's, you know, it, yeah. It, yeah. it gets a laugh, but hopefully it, it, it comes across as the, 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 the seriousness of the situation. Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. And every hero's got to have a villain as well. I exactly. Guess. Yeah. So, so now as the deputy chairperson of the IAF Athletic Commission, mm-hmm. right, when you look at pictures of things like the Tour de France and you know you look at like the first 15 place getters and 14 of them have been done for drugs right or you look at uh, some athletic meets and you've got like the first 10 sprinters coming and 9 of them have been done for drugs right what do you think of the age old argument that where everybody just says like we should stop living a lie in sports and maybe we should just do two competitions where one is pure drugs. and clean and the other <laughs> one they just drag yeah, themselves yeah. up through the roof yeah we open up a can of worms that way yeah. you only get every Tom, Dick and Harry coming through but my I'd be fair to say I probably left my run too late yeah. <laughs> slightly but yeah, you could that. do masters though hey. yeah please yeah. but my, my, my take on that whole thing is once a cheater always a cheater should be banned for life yeah. that's that's my stance on it. Everybody else is a little bit of a grey, like no, you know, wasn't that bad of an offence, therefore they served their time, therefore they should come back. Classic example, just Justin Gatlin. Yeah. That dude's come back how many times and yeah. when he won the Olympics, people booed, uh, his world champs, people booed him. Like, why would you want to be known for that? And, yeah, so, yes, they could have two, one drug cheat one, one um, non-drug cheat one, but once a cheater, always a cheater, shouldn't yeah. actually be involved in sport whatsoever. Yeah, exactly right. Amen to that. Right, so there's been confirmation that you are going to compete at the next Olympics. Yes. Right, nice. Yes. So, if selected, I should put if selected there. If selected, yes, yeah, you should. Yeah, because yep. it's never a given. No. Nope. Right, what advice would Tokyo Val give to Athens Val if they met? <laughs> Apart wow. from apart from you're in, a, in for a bit of a shock when you go to London. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, what advice would I give to Athensville? Um, probably not to stress the little things, yeah. Um, like like I did in Athens, and also to kind of sit back and enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I was a young eighteen year old, very stressed over everything and freaking out. Now I'd probably take a a deeper breath and actually just enjoy the moment. Yeah. yeah. As the games get closer, do you start to feel? the pressure coming on from everybody because let's be honest Dame Val turns up and everybody from New Zealand's up medal time unfortunately yeah. yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that is that, that is the norm here yeah um, but I don't I don't right, right now I don't feel any pressure at all because yeah. I'm sitting here you know being slightly fat and pregnant at the moment <laughs> but um, there the pressure does come on immediately once the countdown happens yeah. you know so yeah. say for example when we're a year out so which is next uh, July August yeah. that's when the countdown really happens and yeah. people start you know yeah. and then also when your sports federation puts there because they got to put in like their forms and how many medals they're going to get etc 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 that's when the pressure comes on because they publish that and yeah. you know exactly where, where, where those are coming from so there is a sense of pressure but you know I've always worked with this I have for the last 23 years I'll take on the challenge but I, as you said before I'm not the type of person to I, I still I don't want to turn up and just be a participant if I know I'm going to be competitive and fight for a medal I'm going to be there but if I know and baby comes and things are just not working out as well as they should be then I will make that call yeah that's yeah. cool and do you get like I used to um, know a really professional sports person he used to say we used to get peed off with people before a competition they come up to and say good luck good luck he said because in his head he's thinking luck's got nothing to do with it I've been training my ass off for like six days a week and like has nothing to do with it absolutely yeah. and, you know, people um, yeah they, they, they're they into that but as you say before people are also blazer uh, well if I see that blazer chases chases too so if like once they get their blazer they're at the Olympics like they've won the Olympics uh, and those are the ones that kind of piss me off yeah. because it's like 
we got a job to do like I'm here great but I've got like five days of like tapering then I've got to compete yeah. And but it doesn't matter what you're doing tomorrow your competition because yeah. you don't look so stressed at all or nervous yeah. but I've got a different um, yeah. game, game plan so there's yeah. two different types of athletes that go to these things yeah, that's yeah. Right. So, and officials yeah, well, exactly. yeah, yeah not wrong either. Yeah, not wrong okay so you obviously are due with your second how long is it going to take you to bounce back from your second to come back to okay. full training Okay, so with my first, I had six months from when I had her <laughs> yeah. via cesarean section to competing at the Commonwealth Games. Six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have eight. I have fifteen months between having this baby. Yeah. And the Olympic Games. Got it nailed. So you know, I, I I've I've got a little bit of time. I have the blueprints. I know what my body yeah. can do. What it, what it's going to do. Yeah. And I quote: "15 months to Tokyo." Yeah, there we go. We've got the blueprint. We're ready to rock and roll and on track. There we go. Yeah. So you know, I I'm ahead of where. I was with my first child knowing for well what I'm about to do but also I am pushing the limit a little bit more now because I know what my body's capable of and because I did have my child, first child and this baby via IVF your guard goes up a little bit more and security because of the stress that you went through to yep. get pregnant yeah. in the first place so as you know you know cotton wool blah 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 we're now it's like eh yep. let's just go and train yeah so now you said Everyone says the arrival of a child changes you, and it's true. In fact, you just retweeted it. How's that? I used to be very selfish as an athlete, and everything is me, 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 me. And even yes. when I got married, it was still all about me. But let me tell you, I'm going to get hold of Gabrielle later. So is it really? uh, but later, let me tell you that life is a lot bigger than just being an athlete. Mm-hmm. How? 100%. Your, no lo- your life no longer revolves around you yeah. at all. It's... Yeah. Uh, it's, it revolves around this little human yep. who controls your whole life yep. and her mother who is six foot four and quite a strong woman no it's, it's just not yep. the way it is but the best thing about it is that it actually puts perspective into life if things are not going well here at training or whatever you go home she doesn't care what you do yeah. or who you are all she knows is that mummy's going to give me kisses and cuddles and play and feed me end of story and it actually is, is actually quite a good way to balance your life out because don't sweat the small stuff you come in here and it actually makes me train better because I get good quality training yep. and if it if it goes great great if it doesn't say la vie you go home and you actually cut it mentally from your brain yep. which actually helps you recover mentally where before 24 hours a day 7 days a week was all training yep. training 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 and when I finish training on Friday or Saturday I'm already thinking about Monday morning's training yeah. like we're now it's like okay let's go for a swim guys yeah, yeah. or yeah, a pooey nappy is a pooey nappy absolutely yeah. an explosion is, a, is an explosion yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you absolutely father of a toddler I hear you um, so when it all ends competitively for Dame Valerie Adams yeah. what happens do you just sling your gold medals over your shoulder <laughs> and disappear <laughs> or do you become do you still get are you still going to be involved in athletics or coaching or are you going to be like an athlete's advocate on the IAAF or or you're just going to go and get a log cabin down in Invercargill Invercargill jeez I'm actually coaching my sister at the moment who is a para um, shot putter so nice. she has CP on one side of her body yeah. and I've been training her for nearly a year now and she's broken the dealing record four times so whilst I'm doing my stuff I'm coaching on the side because for her she's on her way to um, the Paralympics in Tokyo Sweet. so I plan to and, and also world champs in Dubai next year but I plan to continue to to coach her and get into some coaching I quite enjoy coaching very different coaching someone with a disability than with an, than an able-bodied oh, yeah. like completely very different yeah. in, in, in all aspects but um, I love the fact that she has my mentality. My sister does. She's like she's stubborn. She's a hard ass. She doesn't take any prisoners. 
and and when we're at training it's coach athlete and we're away from training we're just sisters and that's the best thing about it but I will be involved in in our sport in particular um, in some shape or form and I quite enjoy it I've got a few commissions that I'm on for the Athletes Commission Oceania and looking forward to setting up Athletes New Zealand so there's a few things happening oh and be a mum oh and a wife sorry Gabrielle sorry so what about having the centre from Oklahoma City Thunder at the limelight recently because that's probably been a real interesting watch for you from the sidelines yes right. uh, like for instance and I've told you this story before you know when I told my nephew about this podcast and he met your brother a wee while ago and then I said to him oh I'm friends with his sister and he's like who's his sister and I told him <laughs> and he's like oh wow okay cool and you were still the sister of Stephen Adams you weren't Valerie Adams you were just like Oh, um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, but it's funny that because when they talk about him on the, on the in, NBA channels on TV, they actually mention, oh, you know, Stephen Adams, little brother of Olympic yeah, yeah, champion yeah, yeah. Valerie Adams, and he's just like, fuck, I can't get, get, get away from you. I'm like, that, that's right, that's right. But yeah. I love, like, I, I love the fact that he's doing what he's doing. I love the fact that he has been able to inspire a lot of people here in New Zealand and, and get the sport up to a standard now, which is just phenomenal. But at the end of the day, when he and I get together, He's still my little bro. Yeah, we yeah. we banter and I'll still beat him up. And yeah, I can still lift more than him. So, yeah, you okay, know, right. he, you, you he knows it. his place. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, and I'll Twitter that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, funny, because I was in a bar in San Francisco and he was actually, they had the game on. And yeah. I said, that guy's like, that guy's a freak. And I said, he's a freak. Have you heard of his sister? <laughs> and he's like, no, I showed him a picture of you and I together. He's like, oh, man, they got something in that water <laughs> in that family. I'm like, yeah. Uh, so, John Pierre and, and you were obviously really close. You're, yes. Your coach, right? Because all the pranks and tricks you guys used to play one another, right? <laughs> and now you've got a couple of others. You got Scott Goodman and Angus Ross on board. Uh, Scott Goodman, no longer right. Angus Ross. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you got no more trips to Switzerland, which I have to say, yes, I do. None of the school kids. You have got trips yeah, to Switzerland. Yeah, None of the kids believe me when I say Dame Valerie trains in Switzerland. They're yeah. all like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how's has your training changed though since? John Pierre left and you've taken on new people or not? Uh, yes it has and, and no it hasn't um, because you know most of the methods and stuff that I've done with him I continue to do because I know that they work with, with a few changes here and there because of you know different body changes or whatever but last year last year or this year we were in Switzerland actually for seven weeks training with him and next year leading up to Tokyo I'm going to use him a lot nice. um, especially for the technical side of things because like for me like he is the man like yeah. he, he is the ultimate man like, but also I have to be mindful. He is seventy six. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he, yeah. he he is getting on. Although he loves the sport with a passion, my family and I are going to be, you know, hopefully re yeah. locating over there, um, heading towards Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. And it always amazes me yet how you get somebody from a country like Switzerland who then goes on to coach like you know a multiple medal winner yeah, yeah. in a sport. It's yeah. just yeah, it's it's cool. But also you got to factor in the fact that when I went to, to John Pierre, I was a regional Olympic champion. Yeah, exactly. And I was already world champion, so it's harder to make that happen again multiple yeah. times with someone who's already established. Yeah. Then it is with a new a new athlete. Yeah. New athlete can do whatever. Yeah. But now it was like crap. I've got to change everything, and I, he wanted to change everything, but I needed to get me on board, and I needed to trust the change. Yeah. And I was like, sweet, clean canvas, do what you like. Yeah. And it paid off. Yeah. And Twenty like kilos less later. Yeah. Boom. You're all good. <laughs> well, good planning. Oh, here we go. Because the next question, nice segue. So you're about to become a mum for the second time, and I quote, I love this, my pooch is a bit out, a little bit now, and I didn't want people to think I was just eating pies <laughs> and not doing anything training, right? So um, when you look at uh, athletes when they finish their careers, yeah. and you and I both know some athletes that you look at them and go, 
Holy crap. Yeah. Bro, what happened there? You're loving yeah. retirement too yeah, yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, they do that thing of, uh, I'm eating the same amount as I'm training, yeah, and nah. I'm not training anymore. <laughs> do you worry about blowing out? Is Every you, time. Yeah. Um, yeah, back in 2007, I was a big girl. I was 147 kilos. I was a big girl. Even though I was still competitive and, and quite good at what I was doing, but I, I just wasn't efficiently in, in, in a like body shape that would have been good for me and made me throw further I just stagnated and stayed there but I was still pretty good then I met JP and no no shit he <laughs> told me to my face he goes if you want to survive my training I suggest you lose 20 kilos yeah he left me here I stayed in New Zealand for four months and I trained I trained my ass off I changed everything I went back to him and I was 118 kilos he couldn't recognize me so there is a sense of fear in, in me of um, blowing back up again but I've made it a conscious decision at that time was actually it's your lifestyle. Yeah. Like your lifestyle must chop and change as you you change as a person, change as an athlete. And I worry about that all the time. So yeah. when I had my baby and I was at my biggest, I was actually, I weighed less than when I was at my biggest as an athlete yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, back in 2007. Yeah, yeah. So there is a sense of control there, but I think now it's like in me, I will never let myself get to, to that stage. Yeah. Touch wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I see you in seven years, yeah. fine. <laughs> you probably won't see me because I'll be running real quick. But you'll just hear this little voice go, you have blown Hey, fatty. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, so when you get older, do you think that when you're sitting back in 15 years' time watching the Olympics, you'll yeah. be doing the, the Michael Jordan thing? And I say this because they asked Michael Jordan once, you know, when you get a little bit older and you're watching an NBA final, what are you going to do? He said, I want to be able to sit there with a big beer gut and a beer and a popcorn. I'm going to look around at my son. And he said, the latest star is going to slam dunk it. He said, all I'm going to do is turn around and look at my son and go, you know what, in my day, I did that. I would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say that you'll quite go that way, but you know, do you still think that you'll, uh, you, you obviously passionately will still watch it and everything else. Yes. Um, do you see a time in sort of 15 or 20 years time where your records are being smashed, where you'll go, you know what? If I trained probably the same way they did, I could or I would. Or do you look at some of those athletes from yesteryear and go, if it wasn't for the training techniques I've got, I'd be as good as them, or they'd be as good as me? Or well, and so if if I was looking back at people like yeah. like way back then, it's like yeah. if I was taking a little bit of drugs, maybe I could throw further, like as far as they yeah, did, yeah, you know. Yeah. But it's not the state case now. Where, but but even now, I look at the results. Like even my year off while I was having baby, do you look at the results and be like, oh, they're a bit soft, or you yeah. know, it's this, that, and the other. But yes. Of course, in 15 years' time, if I'm watching athletes and especially my records, I'm like, you know, they're better athletes than I was. Yeah. Records are made to be to be broken, yeah. right? Yeah. Therefore, we must accept it. All I hope for is that it's all been done clean. Because yeah. nobody has thrown 21 metres since 10 years ago, since I did it last. Nobody yeah. has. Um, but, you know, if any, anybody, like, trains the way they do, but also technology changes yeah. and ways of training changes, the methods change, but equipment changes over time. Yeah. Back in the day, it was, like, iron and a bar, and that was it. Where now they've got bands and chains and all this crap. Yeah. And pe people train, tra train differently, but... I would sit back and probably, yeah, still criticise, you know, technique and, 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 the, and the way they throw and all the rest of it. Uh, and when you, you look at those, yeah, when you look at those results, yeah. like, I know, like, like, with that incident that you had in London, uh, Jean-Pierre looked at the, he just basically went, yeah, nah, hang on, something's yeah. up. Yeah. And you guys, I've read some articles that said you guys knew that something was up even before you got to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was fishy because of the, um, like, she, she disappeared. And, then, and and never left Belarus yeah. and only came straight to, to London the day before the competition. Yeah. And, you know, she had to do a drug test beforehand. So it, they had found, 
that the first test was um, tainted, but they they let her compete, and then the second second test was tainted. Yeah. So there was an inkling, and Jean Pierre was the only person. They asked him what he thought about the performance. He said, um, "You, what well, one day you will find out, yeah. and, and and you will know." And he was actually criticised for that. But you know, J- JP's been around for a very long time, yeah. and in that era of all that crap happening, and sure enough, seven days later, he was right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and just to let the average layman know, how often do you get tested for drugs? Oh, 13, 14 times a year. Yeah, they'll turn up at my house. Actually, worst thing that I had was actually been three weeks postpartum, and someone turning up at my house after I just put my newborn child to sleep. But they still come and test you, and they have a right to um, whenever they want. But you have to tell them where you are 365 days a year for one hour. Yeah. So if I got to leave somewhere tomorrow, I got to let them know an hour before they're due at my house. Yeah. And they might turn up at your holiday. And what do you got to do? You got to sit there and give them some urine, and they take it home yeah. and take it back to wherever they need to and test it. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Yep, it yep. is what it is, I guess. It's a necessary evil. So you're the first podcast for 2019. Yes. So uh, what New Year's resolutions or goals has Dame Valerie set for herself in 2019? 2019 is a big year for us. I 2019, I want to make sure that it, my I keep as fit as possible. I have my baby in April, and you know he is healthy and and all, all the rest of it. And then I want to make start making my comeback and make sure that I get into shape. So by this time, next year, well December of 2019, I'm going to be in the same position, if not better, than I was at the Commonwealth Games in uh, 2018. Nice. We'll yeah. catch up for a coffee before then, and I'll yes. let you know. I'll, I'll go. Yeah, no, you're blown out. You're <laughs> I, would, I would do that to you. You know I wouldn't. Right. So, so the last question that we always finish this uh, podcast on is this: the day of uh, your demise has come, and somebody is delivering your your, your eulogy. Apart from all of the, apart from all of the sports stuff, right? Because you know there's going to be like, it's going to be like, it's almost going to be like a metal warehouse with all the all the medals you've got. What do you hope that people say about Dame Valerie Adams when she's no longer here? That I was, that I that I had a sense of humour and yeah. I was fun to be around yeah. because I love to laugh and to make people laugh. Yeah. And I would hope people would understand my sense of humour. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good. Yeah. And on that note, it's a big thank you to Dame Valerie Adams for joining us for the Coppertino because, like she said, she's just finished training and we're outside the Millennium Stadium, so that's where you can hear lawnmowers and everything else. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is not the barber coming to do my hair. <laughs> all right. So, thanks, Val. Thank you very all much. Right. Thank you. Oh no 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 no